0: Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I think that we resonate with rainbows because they represent hope. And you don't hear me talk about hope all that much, because, you know, as I always say, and in, in alignment with, you know, the, the writings of my uh, of Ernest Holmes, who is the founder of religious science, he wrote, hope is good, it's better than despair. But it's an unconscious compromise. It's an unconscious compromise because if we are living in a state of hope, then we think that there is something that can fail. So I want to let go of that conscious belief that there may be something that can fail. Hope can mean having only positive expectations because you know I love an acronym. having only positive expectations, if we live within that, then hope can actually be more akin to faith. So rainbows represent the faith of something better. And yet within that, there is an elusive quality because we cannot get to the end of the rainbow and find that pot of gold really, right? It's... It's, 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 it's the challenge of always trying to reach for that and reach for that and reach for that. But you know what's really great? Is that that reaching can keep us forward moving. That the desire for something better keeps us in the state of spiritual evolution. So we cannot get to the end of the rainbow physically. But our path may be to find our way there Consciously. That's really, I think, what the path is. I mean, after all, Dorothy had to find out that the power was in her all along. It was not over the rainbow. It was not someplace she was ever getting to. It was within her all along. And the power is within each and every one of us. That's the truth. So what it takes is not magic, sorry, to the lyrics of the song. But in fact, it might be an application of practicality. I talk a lot about practicality from up here. You know, part of the path in this thing called spiritual practice is that if it's not practical and useful in our lives, then what's the point? If it's not making our lives better, what's the point? So we must allow ourselves to make it practical and find practical application and actually use it. We must actually apply it. And this goes very much in line with the fifth principle of the five principles that we teach in unity. And the fifth principle is this. We choose to live from and activate this spiritual teaching beyond an intellectual understanding. It is saying we are taking that journey from understanding it down to embodying it and allowing ourselves to truly live wholeheartedly in the practice of it. Sometimes, though, we need to begin with an intellectual understanding. And that's one of the ways that we approached it this week. Now you may be wondering, what do you mean this week? Well, if you were in my Wednesday night class, a lot of this is gonna be a little bit of a rehash. But I thought that this was such an important idea that I wanted to bring it to the larger community because it makes sense to me. So this week in class, we're studying the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. This week in class, the reading led up to looking a a lot at what was in our lives, those things that perhaps don't feel so good that we want to change in our lives. And this has been a multi-week process to get to this point so that I'm trusting next week we'll be able to move past the what was into what is and what will be. And it translated itself both in class and also in my mindful moment, which is a video I do on Facebook and on YouTube every single day. And here's what I came up with. It made me think what was is an important clue balanced with what is and what can be. What was can be an important clue to the flow of our lives, balanced with what is and what can be. And so then I was considering how I wanted to teach this in class, and I thought to myself, oh, wait a second, I have the perfect idea. And it goes back to when I was the administrator for my church more than 10 years ago when I was studying ministry. Wow, it's a long time ago. Because I became a minister 11 years ago. So now it was almost 20 years ago when I started studying <laughs> ministry. One of the things that I had to do was... Um, now, remember, remember, I was an actor. I didn't know a lot about business. I didn't know a lot about anything except how to be on stage. Actually, I knew a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> but I mostly knew how to be on stage. And when I took over as the administrator for my church, when I went, to the, went into the study of ministry, I, was, I became the bookkeeper really exciting job to be a bookkeeper. One of the things I had to do though is start to understand how bookkeeping works and how to read financial reports. And so there's this report that eluded me for a really long time called the balance sheet. So oftentimes, and it happens in our board meetings, we, we, we go to our profit and loss statement. We're like, look how well we're doing in our profit and loss statement. And we're like, that balance sheet, what does that mean? I don't really know. Let's look at the profit and loss statement. Balance sheet has a lot of really good information. So I'm going to explain to you how a balance sheet works. The balance sheet indicates that everything must be in balance, Right? And so how do you find that balance? Well, you have things that are called your assets. And your assets equal your liabilities plus your equity. Everybody's like, I did not know I was coming here for a course on on finances. This is going to be spiritual, I promise. So, your assets equals your liabilities plus your equity. So that's how you basically read a balance sheet because you've got your assets section and then down below you've got your uh, liabilities and equity and the totals must, will always be in balance. Now, we're gonna turn this around a little bit because if your assets equals your, equities, or your liabilities plus your equity, then your assets minus your liabilities must equal your equity. Make sense so far? Okay, so. I'm gonna ask you this question. What is an asset? Rhetorical for the moment. An asset is anything, any resource we have that has value. A liability is something we own, that is our debt, okay? So those things that we have that have value minus our debt equals our equity, which is the remaining value. Making sense so far? Oh my gosh, like everybody's going to go, I learned how to read a balance sheet today. (laughs) So here's the thing. If your assets are greater than your liabilities, then the remaining value is positive. If your liabilities are greater than your assets, then your remaining value is negative. We don't want that, right? No, no. Now, there is a way to understand consciousness, through this construct. You ready? Your spiritual assets, minus your perceived liabilities, equals your (laughs) self-worth. What was that? Ooh, ooh. Okay, so if we take this and we say, assets, What what are spiritual assets? And now I'm actually asking the question Does anyone have a thought on what a spiritual asset might be? Beliefs. A, positive, positive beliefs, right? Faith, uh, kindness, understanding. understanding. Good, <laughs> good call out for the theme of the month. Spiritual assets are any positive or constructive belief or thought. Here's a major one I am magnificent. That's a spiritual asset, right? Yeah. To what degree do you believe it? To, 100%. that's a good that's a good answer. One hundred percent, Mary says. So, what are some perceived liabilities? Hard. It's hard. <sighs> I'm not good enough. Not good enough. Yeah. I can't. Anyone else? <laughs> nobody. Nobody ever wants to talk about the liabilities, right? So if your assets are the perceived, if your assets, if your spiritual assets are the constructive or positive beliefs or thoughts, then your, then your perceived liabilities are the negative or destructive beliefs or thoughts. One might be, this is one of my favorites, I never get the breaks. How many of us are walking around, oh, I never get the breaks? I mean, nobody in my family ever gets the breaks. Have you looked at my family history? None of us get the breaks. The degree to which we embody that as a belief is the degree to which we are now taking away from our spiritual assets, and what does that equal? Our self-worth. If your sense of magnificence is greater than the perception that you never get the breaks, then you may have a positive sense of self-worth and vice versa. If your sense of self, that you never get the breaks, is greater than your sense of magnificence, then you will have a negative sense of self-worth. I know, we can break this all down to formulas. Can you believe that? Hey, you made us do this. I did, I made them actually. So, (laughs) you're giving away possibly the homework. I actually made them all take out a piece of paper and I made them write out all of their spiritual assets, and then I asked them to quantify them, to put a number next to them, and then do all of their perceived liabilities and put a number by them, total those up, do the difference and see what they felt their value of self-worth was. Yeah, you just gave away the homework, thanks. It was great. <laughs> so here's the thing about that though. What we are, what we are doing here, is working in the direction of managing our spiritual investments to drive up our self-worth. If you want to increase your equity, your self-worth, then where do you go in this? For me, I would go to increasing my spiritual assets. Now, there's a thing that happens in our culture. The thing that happens in our culture is that we devote a lot of our time to our liabilities. If we are continuing to devote a lot of our time to our liabilities, what we know is that what we put our focus on increases in our life. And so the liabilities will continue to increase, and they can eventually wipe out the assets to such a degree that our self-worth is completely tanked. So our work here is not to put our focus on the liabilities, even putting the focus on how do I get rid of these liabilities. No, our work here is to devote time and effort and energy into a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result so that we can increase. Oh, I keep pointing to it and it's now gone. So that we can increase our spiritual assets. I got to remember that if I'm going to keep referencing something, I just got to keep it up there. To increase our spiritual assets. (laughs) Our work is to devote ourselves to the constructive, to the positive, to that which is going to grow us. And here's how I know that it works. Because Alexander Pope offered this to us, order is heaven's first law. So everything must always be in balance. Everything must always be in order. That is the nature of nature. That is our nature. And so as we devote the time and the energy and the effort into our spiritual assets, we don't even need to look at those liabilities anymore because what's going to end up happening is our assets will grow to such a degree that will increase our equity that the liabilities will become moot. Even if we continue to have them, if we are growing this, which in turn grows this, the liabilities don't matter anymore. The nature of the universe is always balanced. And there is a power in truly embodying and understanding this. The truth of who you are is infinite magnificence. I say it every single day, every single day. You know why? Because it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to hear that. I want to normalize magnificence. I want to normalize across this globe the sense that we are magnificent, not because of anything we do, it's just the core of who we are. Gosh, I'm really, like, spitty today. (laughs) It's magnificent, magnificent, Mary says. So now I'll tell you. So I come from a musical theater background, and um, I got a reputation for when I would sing. And I would be in a scene with somebody. And you can't do this as well in COVID anymore, right? If somebody was right there and you're singing you're singing a love song, it's like... It's really sexy. (laughs) (laughs) If by that I mean not at all for the person. But everybody in the audience believes it. All right. So how much time, how much time are you devoting to trying to eliminate your liabilities? and possibly doing so at the expense of increasing your assets that that is a rhetorical question that is a re- they're all fur balls <laughs> <They're liabilities>. yeah <laughs> you didn't know how right on your your story was today the fur balls are your liabilities right If we truly focused on increasing our assets, the weight of the liabilities would decrease because the equity, your self-worth, must balance. So let's worry less about eliminating the perceived liabilities. That's the witch hunt we can sometimes go on. Why was I thinking that? Where did that belief come from? Let it go. Who do you want to be? How do you want to be now moving forward? Invest in that, and it will take care of what was. Take more time to invest in the spiritual assets. Investment strategies include meditation, prayer, affirmation, visioning. Oh, gosh, how do we make an investment in our spiritual assets? Spiritual practice finding a consistent spiritual practice and knowing what works for you. Life is meant to be lived in infinite potential and possibility. Live the life of the possible, not what seems impossible. I love that you mentioned before that a liability is I can't because one of our assets is, I can, and I know that I can. I know that I can because I know who I am. As we do this, as we engage in this practice, we are contributing to that universal balance sheet. Because this works at the level of the individualization as well as the level of infinite consciousness. As we contribute to the consciousness of spiritual assets, we are doing so universally and we are shifting the entire experience of the universe. We have that power right where we are. Imagine the increase of self-worth among all people if we truly remembered who we are and understood that truth about every single person out there, if we walked about understanding our sense of value, our sense of worth, and recognizing that that is true for everyone, that we are all this infinite power, we are all magnificent, we are all God, because there can be nothing separate from the infinite God, that infinite principle and power. When we know that truth, when we, when we remember who we are, you know what happens? Love and forgiveness become a default. So those other two aspects, doesn't matter. They're going to be our default setting. So take a step back and consider, too, that in this natural order, it is important to remember that all liabilities are perceived. Perceived. They are not real. Actually, none of it's real. It's all made up. But let's truly apply this to the liabilities. Because if you actually addressed the liability and asked yourself the question, is this true? Like, is it really true? I think most of the time you're going to find out that those things you keep holding on to are not true. And so rather than try to suppress them, squelch them, or get them out of the way, move in the direction of your spiritual assets, the truth of your being. One of my favorite lyrics in that song. Didn't know I was going to bring it back to the song, did you? One of my favorite lyrics in that song is, what's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? What do we think we might see? What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? What do we think we might see? We actually default to wanting our spiritual assets to take hold. That's why we show up here on a Sunday, I think, so that we can be reminded of the truth of our being. We don't have to wait for someday. We don't have to wait for someday. If we choose to make an investment, then someday is now. Right here, right now. The nature of our spiritual assets is always growth. That's the other thing I love about it. You make an investment in your spiritual asset, it will always grow. It can never decrease. So we are consistently living in a spiritual bull market So the practical guide I offer is this today. Invest in your spiritual assets. Don't weigh your focus on the perceived liabilities because what you perceive, what you put your focus on grows. And let us, through example, embolden everyone to a greater sense of self-worth by being the example of being the magnificent spiritual investment advisor to ourself and to all humanity. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. So I will say, if you would like to do that exercise of writing down your assets, quantifying them, writing down your liabilities, quantifying them, which means putting a number next to them. Um, In the class, we said just rate it 1 to 10 how strong it is in your life, and then totaling up the assets, totaling up the liabilities, and then subtracting the assets from the liabilities to get a quantifiable number sense of what your self-worth is, you can do that. That's not really the homework. The homework is to actively invest in your spiritual assets this week. Uplevel, this is what I'm talking about. Up level your prayer practice. If you have a strong prayer practice, up-level it this week. If you have no prayer practice, engage a prayer practice this week. Um, practice affirmations. Find what works for you. Practice affirmations. I love to do my affirmations in the mirror. You know why? Because it makes me uncomfortable. You know why it makes me uncomfortable? Because it butts up against those sense, that sense of liability that I can carry with me. But the more I do it, the more that sensation of liability slips away. And the third thing to perhaps consider is, at minimum, engage in one random act of kindness every single day and see how that increases your spiritual assets and drives up your self-worth. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.